truck and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Thursday. Thanks for tuning in here live and on demand on The Blaze. I'm Steve Dace. Todd and Aaron. Todd and Aaron. I almost called Aaron by your last name. We just work with you every day. That's all. We're off to a bad start. Can we start over? Oh, yeah. No, this is this is live. We can't. <laughs> Funny. Thank you, Ron. Thank you, Ron. Uh, Todd and Aaron are here with me. Apparently, it's their first day because I don't know them. I forgot their names. Uh, you can uh, join us as well at 888-900-3393. 888-900-3393. Let us know what you think about what we think. Steve at stevedace.com is how you can email the program. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. And I think what's going on is I have, and by the way, last name is spelled D-E-A-C-E. I think what's going on is I've basically been by myself all week. Uh, Amy is doing like her uh, counseling version of a residency at Liberty in Lynchburg this week. Zoe is at summer camp. Noah has uh, been hanging out with the grandparents. And then, you know, Anna's an adult, so she kind of has her own life. And like, I'm like getting an amazing amount of stuff done. Do you, do you, it's crazy. <laughs> It is like this morning I published and edited uh, three separate content items for my Michigan sports website that I do for fun on the side. I mowed the front lawn. I did my 300 squat jump workout. Um, I mean, I did all of that before I even came in here this morning. It's just, it's amazing what you do when you're, you're lonely, how much you can get done when you're complete and total shut in. Now, now, Aaron, I understand you a little bit better. <laughs> Did you make? Have you? Have you? Have you been going through ground school? Have, have you? Have you made? Have you made any coffee tables, Steve? Have you? No, but I almost finished my college football preview. And you know how in depth that can be, right? All right, uh, a ton to get to here on the show today. Other than. Um, uh, jerking uh, Aaron around, which we will continue to do because he deserves it. Uh, we've got three non-political questions coming up at the bottom of the hour. Uh, we're going to talk to Stephen Crowder's half-Asian lawyer uh, in, in the next hour of the show and, and get his tidbits on how to successfully fight back against social media censorship since his client, Mr. Crowder, was on the front lines of this battle uh, merely a week ago. And then we will continue our series for Theology Thursday. Five dumb things smart people believe about religion, spirituality, Christianity, etc. We're in uh, the fourth installment. Is it always okay to let your conscience be your guide? Well, it depends on what's guiding your conscience. We'll get to that coming up a little bit later on as well. We are off tomorrow. I'm taking a uh, an emergency day off because my beloved Michigan Wolverines are in the College World Series Final Four on Friday, and I was able to muster up some tickets. So I'm heading over there tomorrow and... Because I felt guilty about sticking you guys with the show all on your own at the last minute like that, I decided to give you the day off too. So, you remembered our names then? That was yeah. Nice. I, no, I didn't. I just called you you guys, <laughs> so I wouldn't risk it this time. <laughs> well, no, you just remember that you actually had employees. Yeah. It, 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 how about we? How about if I call you you people? It worked for Ross Perot once. Would you like that? Right. Will the check clear? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Then, then I can call you Shirley. Pretty you much. You can call me half way. Asian lawyer if you want to. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, I like it. I like it a lot. All right. One of the things we talk about on this show frequently is what is it we're trying to conserve as conservatives, right? What is conservatism really about? That's why Glenn Beck and a lot of the VIPs here at the Blaze are doing this cruise next spring. It's called the Cruise Through History. And you don't want to miss out on a once in a lifetime opportunity. You're going to have plenty of fun. All right. A lot of gourmet food. Uh, you know, beaches, pools, all the great stuff, but you're going to learn some things as well. Uh, you're going to sail in the Eastern Mediterranean, visit Italy, Croatia, Jerusalem, Israel, Athens, Greece, learn the origins of the Republic democracy, where our, our capitalistic system had its roots. And then, of course, you're going to walk where Christ and the apostles walked as well to find out where, where the, where the spirituality, where the morality, uh, that created this thing called uh, American exceptionalism and Western civilization came from. Uh, you can bring your kids, your grandkids with you. All you need to do is bring your passport along with them if you want details on the various packages available to take this trip about a year from now. Uh, just go to comesailaway.com, like the sticks song, comesailaway.com. And now here's Aaron with what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away? Brought to you by Reparations. The House of Representatives held hearings yesterday to study slavery reparations. Several activists spoke, including former NFL superstar Burgess Owens. I'm going to talk about some ideologies. And when I talk about them, I'm not talking about people. People change. I used to be a Democrat until I did my history and found out the, 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 the misery that that party brought to my race. I do not believe in reparation. Because what reparation does, it points to a certain race, a certain color, and it, and it points them as evil, and points the other race, my race, as one that is not only becomes racist, but, the, the, but also beggars. I do believe in restitution. Let's point to the party that was, that was part of slavery, KKK, Jim Crow, that has killed over 40% of our black babies, 20 million of them. Congressman Eric Swalwell also tried to speak. I've listened to some of my colleagues, Mr. Glover, uh, tell you how much they like your movies. And I have to say, we didn't come here to talk about your movies. We came here to talk about your activism. I like your activism. I also like your movies, but I want to give you a chance because I haven't heard the other side other than tell you that, that, they, like their mo- they, that they like your movies. That- Meanwhile, Joe Biden is facing some heat for this. Still to come, Joe Biden references his relationships with two former Republican colleagues at an event in New York City. The only problem? They were both segregationists. Also, they were Democrats, not Republicans there. Casey Hunt of MSNBC, just a small, just a small correction. Anywho, Cory Booker called on Joe Biden to apologize. Are you going to right, apologize thanks, like Cory Booker apologize has called for? Apologize for what? Cory Booker's called for it. Of course He's should you to apologize. apologize. He knows better. I'm not a racist bone in my body. I've been involved in civil rights my whole career. People are still defending Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's use of the term concentration camp to describe U.S. detention facilities for illegal aliens. This time, it's Texas Congressman Henry Cuellar of Texas. Well, uh, again, without due respect to her, she has a different uh, usage of words and certainly maybe a different perception. Iran continues to rattle sabers with the United States, this time shooting over an unarmed American drone that was operating in international airspace over the Strait of Hormuz. Iran doesn't deny shooting down the aircraft. Moving on, and according to the Wall Street Journal, Chick-fil-A is set to become the third largest restaurant chain in the United States, trailing only Starbucks and McDonald's. They're closed on Sundays, but 
You already know that. Last month, John Bell Edwards, the Democrat governor of Louisiana, signed that state's heartbeat bill into law. This month, he took a trip to Hollywood, where he apparently received large political contributions from Sony Pictures, the Motion Picture Association of America, Disney, and Paramount, among others. Contrast this to the way Hollywood threatened and treated Georgia's Republican leadership when that state passed a similar heartbeat bill and. You're left kind of scratching your head. The Cleveland Clinic successfully performed its first in utero fetal surgery to repair a spina bifida birth defect. Remember back during the Brett Kavanaugh confirmation fight where several Republican senators had their personal information doxxed? Well, one Democrat staffer has been sentenced to prison in the matter and another has pled guilty. Another example of child abuse popped up recently. Hey, y'all, we're here at the last day of the Austin Drag Festival with these amazing people right here. This is Queen Kiki. And I saw the performance and they said that you're an Austin performer. Yeah? How long have you been performing? Um, this was my first time. This was your first performance? First performance in drag. Oh my God, you are like the bravest in the world. <laughs> Wow, that's a lot. I mean, like, I've done theater. Every time I go on stage, I freak out. What did you do to prepare? What did you do? To practice? Yeah, I practiced a lot. That clip is from late last year, but Keegan's story is back in the spotlight after Reuters published an extensive profile on he and his family. And finally, apparently, if you go fishing in New Jersey, New Jersey, the following can happen to you. And that's what happened while we were away. Aaron's montage brought to you by WaxRx. If you have been putting off uh, dealing with that ear pain because you don't want to spend your day off, wasting a couple of hours uh, doing so, or you can't do it on a work day, or you don't want to have to do it on the weekend. And it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. Now, though, you can do it yourself, just like the pros do in the comfort and convenience of your own home with the WaxRx system. It's a physician-developed technology that safely and effectively removes earwax, build up, and then soothes the ear with a pH condition formula, just like they do when you go see the pros. And now you can do it yourself and without a prescription as well. If you want to try WaxRx risk-free today, here's all you need to do. Go to the website, usewaxrx.com. That's usewaxrx.com. And make sure when you go to checkout, you type in offer code radio and they'll throw in free shipping as well. Comfort and convenience on the front end, free shipping on the back end. What do you got to lose? Usewaxrx.com, offer code radio at checkout for free shipping. Um, Let's go through as much of Aaron's montage as we can. Uh, Let's start with the reparations thing. Uh, That's a great video by Burgess Owens. I've interviewed him on the show before. Glad it went viral. Here's what you need to know. That entire debate is fake. It's the demo. They've been doing reparations arguments. We had them in the eighties. We had them in the nineties. We're having them now. It's the democratic party's version of flag burning amendments. That's what this is. It, It just, it's, I mean, this is crazy, folks. Wow. The stuff I said on the air 15 years ago is really coming true. 
that whenever Republicans are out of things to talk about or they're just not going to fight on the things you want them to, they're going to start talking about flag burning. And when the Democrats uh, do the same, they're going to pick the most race baiting topic they can like reparations. And that is exactly what is going down right now. Now they're trying to lock down a voting constituency is what they're trying to do. Trying to get you to talk. There's that they're trying to distract a voting constituency. They're attempting to see if they can find something that gets you gets their base talking about anything other than impeachment. That's what they're trying to do. All right. And, and it'll, you know, it's up to the democratic base, whether they care as much about this canard, if they want to fall for the, they've been falling for this banana tailpipe since Axel Foley first dropped the line. All right. All my life, they have dropped the reparations line on the left and, and, and the flag burning amendments on the not not left. So that's, you know, this is political theater is what you are watching take place. N- none of this is real, Cherry Girl. Uh, none of this is. Speaking of the human banana and the tailpipe, I'm at the point with Swalwell that you are with Daniel Day-Lewis. I just, I can't be in his presence. It's so uncomfortable. I have to look away. Yes. I'm going there next. Okay. And, and I, have, I, have, I have no idea... There has to be an actual human being in his district. If you, if you guys need a communist, can you find one that's human? Is it possible? This is, this is a, he, he's a walking black mirror episode. If, you, know, you know what he reminds me of more than anything? Oh, I, should I do this? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Asked and answered. Back when I used to listen to gangster rap, when I went through that phase, like every white high school suburban kid did in the late 80s, early 90s, did you go through that phase? No. Okay, yeah, because you were better than me. Um, They always used to portray white people, like whether it was Dr. Dre or Ice Cube. Um, Why, uh, uh, yes, um, uh, I like your, uh, um, um, I like your, I like your activism. Yes, I... I like that. Oh, you're, 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 uh, uh, yeah, more uh, than uh, yeah, that other word. Yes, that's exactly. That's exactly how white people are caricatured in the gangster rap music of my youth. He's like that guy in the Geico commercial and slacks in a windbreaker, like jamming. Yes, and this is this is not pino poppers. He, he, this is an android. <laughs> you're watching. In fact, I, I think we have our first certifi- certifiable evidence that we have life model decoys in the United States Congress. And we made, we made it like that That's twist? the second yes, one yes. this week. Yes, Skynet. Oh, God. Skynet, Skynet I, is here. I'll take the Terminator and just wipe people out over this. That's just... I don't care your belief system. I, okay, you guys, and, and I got a really impassioned email from a woman named Nikki saying, basically, she's the only Christian in her family, and like all of her other sisters are precisely like Ocasio-Cortez. Okay, so fine. All right, you guys, I'll, I'll seed your point. Told you. Okay? I'm, I, I'm not giving up the ghost here. There, I don't care what your belief system is. There aren't people like Eric Swalwell. This isn't real. You don't, you don't have anybody like this in your family, no matter, no matter, no matter how, how many Antonio Gramsci essays they've ever read, okay? Um, this person doesn't exist. No one no one is like this. And, and that's just, I, I, chud, chud, cannibalistic <laughs> humanoid underground dwellers. The look on Glover's face said it all. Just sitting there like, <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> really? I've been pandered to by a lot better yeah. white people than you is yes. what that look on my, and his face said to me. Okay. I, I, I he, he, that look on his face said, I am like 90 
and and this is my last go around here and i really expected a far better class of panderer than you what the what in the sam hill is this that's what that looks it was like you know that scene in shawshank you just go stamp your form sonny yeah because at the end of the day i don't give a damn that, that look said i'll take my chances with the clan yes. thanks that's what it said <laughs> no. i mean that's like if, if you're if you're what's between me and them I, i'll i've I, you know i'll just have to do this myself <laughs> that's what it said I mean that that's not a person. And and for those of you that are new, Daniel my Daniel my take on Daniel Day-Lewis, I can't watch anything he's in because he's he's too pure of an actor. And that makes me think he's like the he reminds me of the the Burger King mascot. Oh. He's like a person impersonating a person who's not a person. And it it, it bothers me and it it's fingernails on a chalkboard. I I can't I can't do Daniel Day-Lewis and I, and Eric Swellwell, I I that's not a human being. People just don't, people just don't do that. I mean, if, if you created that character, you know, in House of Cards, that it wouldn't last one script review. They'd be like, this is too one-dimensional. There's nothing like this. Nobody, nobody is this bad at just being human. Nobody so, is. So you said you got a note from a Nikki saying that all of her sisters yes. or all everybody in her family is like AOC. Yes. You're going to get a letter or a note from like, I don't know, Ricky today uh, <laughs> saying that all of the men in his family are like this. No, no, I won't. I don't think I will. I don't. I don't. You know why? You're, you you want to make a bet? Can I tell you why? Okay. I'm not sure I'm allowed to say this anymore in this day and age, but I am going to say it anyway. Because he would have gotten his ass beat long before this moment. Am I lying? He should have. Yeah. But would he have? Don't Cal- you remember? Now, now, no, you, now, now you can't he's spank, from California. You can't spank an android. Okay. Well, you can't spank anybody in California, and that's where he's from. Nah, it, no. This looks like Venice Beach in California, right? I mean, people are still pooping in the streets in San Francisco. It's completely depraved and disgusting, but you know it's it's certainly not passive aggressive to that extreme, right? No, no, it's not. It's not a person, folks. It's not. Chud, chud, chud is here. I think um, Cory Booker and the likes of uh, Kamala Harris are doing Joe Biden a huge favor right now. First of all, this. The the they're forcing him into a situation because he has shown in the last few weeks he is totally fine face planting in the intersectionality Olympics, like he's volunteering to do it. But but they're they're pushing back on him with with on this. These people were segregationists, and I'm not surprised that is it Casey or Cassie Hunt? Casey, right? Yeah, yeah. Casey Hunt at NBC. I found her last week uh, tweeting about how. Um, if this were the if this was the U.S. men's soccer team, no one would be talking about their antics uh, and and their poor sportsmanship. You're right because you know having I've had a 25 year career off and on professionally covering sports, and I just I can't recall ever it, the topic ever coming up about we never uh, talk about male domesticity. No, yeah, about uh, trash talk and showing up. I don't ever remember controversy about Joe Horn answering his cell phone. I don't ever remember controversy about Terrell Owens uh, pretending to drop a deuce on the Dallas Star. Remember any of this stuff? I don't ever remember the University of Miami's behavior during the 1991 Cotton Bowl being so egregiously bad and how they rubbed it in against Texas that the NCAA changed the rules of sportsmanship just because of that one game. You're yeah. right. I don't remember 
remember any of those things ever coming up. You're right. You're right. If you, in fact, in fact, if you look, if you look, Casey, if you're watching, because I think we know you are. If you look, um, we actually, I can say this too. I've covered Major League Baseball professionally, college football professionally, college basketball professionally, hockey uh, professionally. We always hand when, when we we always tell them. It, it, in fact, we just flat out say it. If you have a penis, you can just behave any way you want. Yep. You were told that, right? Sure. Yeah, yeah. That, that's exactly how it works around here. And if you're white, you just get a, you know, you get your privilege check in the mail every uh, every other week. Yes, yes. And in fact, I was just walking down a street one day, and people are like, you know, why aren't you in broadcasting? You're white. I mean, that's that's how I got here. You know, and I, I was I was like I was born to a 15 year old mom. We were on food stamps and government cheese growing up. I had no idea there was this white privilege. Thankfully, whoever you are. That stopped me on that street corner one day and said, yeah. this Ricky, he white, which is still the best still. line from a movie trailer last year. White boy, Rick, that is the best line in a movie in a 2018, 2018 movie trailer is that line. This Ricky, he white. That's what they looked at me and said, hey, you're white. Why are you in broadcasting? So that, that's how I got here, folks. Yes. So Casey Hunt has a, has issues with, you know, staying in her lane as a reporter, which is exactly why she works for NBC News. <laughs> All right. But. That notwithstanding, her 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 uh, her forgetting to note that uh, when these uh, senators were segregationists, uh, they were actually in the Democratic Party. The, the the Kamala Harris and Cory Booker coming at Joe Biden on this are doing him a favor because one they're they they're kind of forcing him back into the Uncle Joe. He's kind of they're kind of forcing him into a mild he kind of mildly sister soldiered Cory Booker there very mild. Very mild, but they're forcing him into the into a into a into a, a place of normalcy. Number one, and number two, if you continue this, the implication you're drawing is that for eight years Barack Obama had a racist for vice president. At some point, you're prompting Barack. If you go down this road all the way, if if because here's the thing: if you want to end this primary like in five minutes. Have Barack Obama endorse Joe Biden. And I mean, he goes from the Jeb Bush uh, to the George Bush of 2000, and f- of 2000 rather than the Jeb Bush of 2016. This thing ends in three seconds. And even if he doesn't endorse him, you don't want him coming off the bench to say, hey, you know, I, I believe in the process. Democrat voters ought to have their say. But this is just silly, accusing Joe Biden of being a racist. I mean, this, you, don't want, you, you, you don't want to provoke that. So this conversation is only good for Joe Biden, as far as I can tell. Todd, you were shaking your uh, head no. I just don't, I don't believe that. I, I, I think Joe, um, it's game over for him. I think, uh, I don't think that he, what, I think Barack Obama doing what he did right now would certainly stem the tide of the direction things are going, but it wouldn't hold it off indefinitely. Joe was used by Obama to do what Obama wanted to do. Uh, and the, the march of progressive will, will, will go on. And now he, Biden is of no use to them uh, uh, anymore. And this is only going to get worse. It's not going to get better. I don't think this helps him okay. at all. I, I, I just, I, I, because I know where this is going on that debate. Side. They know they've got to destroy him and they're happy to do it. If Barack Obama doesn't want Joe Biden in the White House for some reason... Barack Obama could just sister soldier him and say, what the heck? I never heard about this. You need to apologize. He could he could very easily do the opposite of what you're saying. 
Uh, has he, he's never him. he could, but he has never done anything like that before. He could though. He's been exceedingly passive aggressive with these kinds of things. Yeah. Okay, you know, and what I mean by that is uh, aiding and abetting the the leftist fringe in his party, while at the same time claiming that you know normalcy and doing speeches about where are dads and things of that nature. I yeah. I, I can't believe Barack Obama would because the implication being drawn here, and if you're not drawing this implication in the Biden campaign, you all ought to be fired. Because the talking point I'd be coming out with if I were the Biden campaign is, you guys, this is this is just dumb. Keep your eyes on Donald Trump. No one believes Barack Obama had a racist for a vice president for eight years. Get over yourselves. I'm sorry your poll numbers suck. That's not my fault. That's what he should be saying right now. He, But he knows the kind of people he's talking with, which was why he's been woke Joe instead of Uncle Joe. He he knows on some level that reason has passed his uh, party by, and he's kind of stuck with that. And that Obama card, Obama's never going to play that until this thing. Uncle Joe is like broken and crawling to the finish line, and basically he's the guy after all of the bloodshed in that party, and somebody has to put Humpty Dumpty back together again. And then and only then will Obama try to do it by putting his hand on his shoulder and saying yeah joe you're our guy to try to you know raise him from the dead but it's never going to happen before then a couple more points to uh touch on with uh, aaron's montage uh, iran is trying to provoke the united states militarily and this requires a longer conversation than the time we have here and they ha- they lose nothing they they lose nothing with a military unless you're going to go for regime change which there's no support among the american people for they don't lose anything with a military conflict what they're trying to do, I believe, is provoke the United States into making Iran a sympathetic figure in the Muslim world again. Because most of the Muslim world doesn't can't stand Iran. They're not Arab, number one. And number two, there are more and more elements emerging in the, in the Arab world that are just like, you know, we can all make money here and get our Wahhabist on at the same time. And Iran's kind of getting in the way of that. And so Iran is attempting, what Iran is trying to do is make itself sympathetic in the Muslim world again. So I absolutely believe in peace through strength. I would not let them get away with with shooting down that drone because they'll just keep pushing the line. I get that. But this requires a strategic response. All right. And, and, and not putting them in a position where they want, the, the, Iran is essentially trying victimology is what they're trying to do. They're, they're trying a Muslim world version of victimology. So you want to you send them a message. Don't tug on Superman's cape, but you don't want to make it so, it, it, put, it, it helps to, def, uh, to proffer the narrative that they're trying to put forth in the Muslim world. Because right now, most of, Iran is isolated in the Muslim world. As in, there's a lot of money to be made here right now. And you've got all kinds of Muslim countries meeting one-on-one with Benjamin Netanyahu in the last six months to a year. There's a lot of folks that are kind of... Every, and you know what set the tone for this? Was Trump's speech in Riyadh as, back in May. A lot of the Muslim and Arab world has decided, you know, we can, we can be a little Wahhabi and a lot more rich. And Iran wants to remain this, this cabal of true believers here. And so they're getting increasingly isolated. They want to be victimized. So if you're going to hit back at them, don't do it in a way that plays to their narrative. All right? Um, the story of John Bell Edwards, who right now is among the bravest politicians in America, and now, frankly, he's among the best. Dude 
signs one of the best pro-life bills in American history, and then gets on a plane like a freaking boss to go to Hollyweird and says, well, you know, you like having a Democrat governor of Louisiana and gets him to write checks at the same time. Let me tell you something. If you're, if you're wondering in the future, who is a Democrat to be afraid of? A guy like that. That's a guy who gets it. Here's, th- here's what you ought to get, though. Hollywood's problem with Georgia has nothing to do with its pro-life law. It has everything to do with the fact that they have a Republican governor. That's what it's about. It has nothing to do with its pro-life law. Signed virtually the exact same legislation in Louisiana. All the same people that bitched about Georgia wrote checks to John Bell Edwards. What's the difference? Both white males, straight white males. What's the difference? One's got an R, one's got a D. That's what this is about. It's about pure tribalism. So if you've got a Republican governor in your state saying, well, we can't do that, that's not what it's about. It's about the fact you're a Republican and they hate you. That's what it's about, period. And John Bell Edwards did us another favor this week by proving that to us. Hey, if you're like millions of Americans struggling with pain, chronic pain from inflammation in the body, relief might be one click away. When you go to relieffactor.com, get the starter kit. It's a dollar a day uh, for three weeks, just 20 bucks to give it a shot. I'm a huge believer in this product. I was a little skeptical too. I'd heard all the great success stories here at the Blaze from people before me that had used this, but now... You know, then I tried Relief Factor. Now I'm a believer. All right, so if you want to give this a shot, what I love about it, 100% drug-free, even though it's created by physicians, right? So they're trying to unleash the natural healing power within your body to push back on that inflammation and defeat that chronic pain. What have you got to lose for a dollar a day, except maybe, hopefully, finally the pain? Go to relieffactor.com. That's relieffactor.com. Three non-political questions are next. Stay tuned. Hey, do you struggle to get started each day a burst of productivity only to crash again in the mid-afternoon and then you limp across that 5 p.m. finish line? You know, before you put it, uh, all those uh, chemicals from your energy drinks uh, in your body, all right, go get energy uh, from the places and sources uh, that nature and your creator intended. And that's why the team of top physicians at Brickhouse Nutrition, that's why they created from dawn until dusk up to 10 hours of clean energy, improved focus and mood with no jitters, no afternoon crash, no calories, and no sugar. If you'd like to give this a shot, 15% off of your first order when you use my name, Steve, as a promo code. When you go to the website, BrickHouseSteve.com, BrickHouseSteve.com. Again, it's called From Dawn Till Dusk, BrickHouseSteve.com, promo code Steve, to get 15% off of your first order. And now, it's time for three non-political questions. We all have questions. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? Who am I? A search and a question of identity. Why am I here? A question of meaning and purpose. Where am I going? question of destiny. Some better than others. What sort of morality or proto-morality would you expect to find in a chimpanzee troop? Injecting some levity into the demise of Western civilization. It's three questions on the Steve Day Show. Because we need a break from the demise and depression that watching the fall of Western civilization gives everyone on a day-to-day basis... Excuse me, I literally just started choking right before we started. 
always the best time to do that. You only get um, Aaron's best at all times. America uh, needs to know this. It's true. Yeah. Yes. Um, it's appropriate too because you just did. You just said ditch the uh, the energy drinks. I choked on coffee. Yes. Um, I need to start taking. You've had. Th- th- there you go. Yeah. yeah. There's some um, product placement right there. You've learned your lesson, I young have, man. I have. I learned something new. <laughs> Um, the first couple of questions are actually pretty good questions, I thought, uh, from uh, So that means the third listeners. one sucks? No, the third one is actually pretty good as okay, well, right. if I do say so myself. This first one comes from Danny Britton. Who are your top three biblical thinkers, apologists, or pastors that you've heard speak, that you've heard speak, and why? And I think he means heard speak live. Like, like heard person. live, okay. Uh, for me, um, number one would be uh, Joe White. Uh, and the speaker, the speech, the the talk that he gave uh, that led off the Promise Keepers rally, uh, event back on September 18, 2003, uh, that uh, absolutely uh, changed my life, and I'll never forget it. So um, he would rank, he would rank really high on my list. Um, we have a local guy here. And if he used to be a prominent speaker at the, at the original Promise Keepers era back in the 90s, but is really, really good. Because um, we're not counting people we listen to on podcasts and think like a Ravi yep. Zacharias and stuff, so live, right? So there's a guy locally here in Des Moines named Gary Rossberg who is really powerful, really good. Um, he's among the best that, um, that I've ever heard live as well. And then I'm trying to think as I've gone to I've gone to so many different conferences. Let me give you one more. Tony Evans. I went to National Religious Broadcasters uh, one of the times I went a few years ago, and he was the keynote speaker and just absolutely uh, knocked your socks off, man. Um, So those would be the, you know, I could think of more if you gave me time, but, you know, when you give me questions like this, I kind of like to go with the ones that immediately come to Mm -hmm. mind because maybe I'm thinking there's a reason for that, right? So those are the three I would give you. Joe White, um, that's kind of personal to me. Tony Evans and uh, a local guy here by the name of Gary Rosberg. Todd. Uh, also have a local guy, uh, Father PJ McManus, uh, Christ the King Parish in Des Moines, Iowa. You can get all his sermons on podcasts. The man is as gifted as any homilist uh, that I have come across in my 46 years. Uh, Father John Ricardo out of um, Ann Arbor, Michigan area. He uh, has a national uh, stage uh, on uh, EWTN radio. Uh, excellent. I uh, saw him. He he came here. He travels the nation, and he came to Des Moines. My wife and I went to see him. Boy, might be ten years ago now. And a third one. Boy, I don't I don't see as many. I haven't had as many opportunities as you, Steve, to travel and see these things. I, so those. If I think of another one, I'll throw it in later. But those are the two I have. Yeah, this is a little bit more difficult because these are not necessarily my favorite three, but the ones, the favorite three that I've seen live. So uh, I'll start with Alistair Begg. He, uh, he's the pastor of a church That's uh, a big in name. Cleveland, yeah. Cleveland, Ohio. He was up in uh, the Twin Cities one time when I was living up there. I went to John Piper's church, so I heard him, I mean, in person uh, numerous, numerous times, obviously. Uh, so that would be one. And then the um, third was all, would also be probably David Platt as well. Um, I actually, yeah, I, I, I was at Urbana covering Urbana one time when I was uh, a student, and I actually got had the opportunity not only to listen to him live, but to interview him briefly as well. Uh, and so those are three guys in person again uh, that 
probably my favorite speakers. Uh, but yeah, the, the live, uh, hearing them live is uh, the interesting part of that uh, conversation. Uh, question number two. This comes from Steve Heaven. What four athletes are on your sports Mount Rushmore? Oh, wow. Um, Jackie Robinson. That's a good place yeah. to start. Cal Ripken Jr. Mm. Sports I could just go baseball, but uh, I could I, I will go with I, I, I I'm fine with putting Jackie Robinson there. Um I think you've got to put like here's the thing. I mean, what era? Every era of yeah. all time. Yep, of all time. Of all time. Of all time. Um but this can be very personal. I mean, like Cal Ripken Jr. is very personal to me. I don't, you know, I don't think he's on, even with his amazing accomplishment, he's not he's not one of the four greatest athletes mm-hmm. of all time. But I mean, his his what he did will never ever 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 be matched. I put Tiger Woods on it. Actually, I think he's I I, I you know what? Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go with the two most individually dominant um, athletes that here. I'm going to limit it now because I can't put Jackie Robinson on. You got to give me more qualifiers than that. That's like, hey, pick your favorite page of the encyclopedia. That's that's part of the challenge of the question. Here's what I'm here's what I'm going to do. And you can feel free to follow suit if you'd like. I'm going to go my top two. Uh, these are supposed to be yours as well, so they don't have to necessarily okay. be objective. But I'm going to try to do half objective and then half of kind of my two. I would say Walter Camp has to be up there because without him, arguably, we wouldn't have what we love, no one love today as the foot, uh, the sport of football as we know and love it. Um, the second would be have to be Jackie Robinson as well because I mean, for all the reasons that you guys just mentioned and then some. And then I would say for my personal favorites, um, I've got to go with. Uh, two Chiefs and actually two Chiefs linebackers. Uh, now that I'm thinking, but definitely Derek Thomas. Uh, and now that I'm thinking about it some more, I kind of want to put Jamal Charles up there too. <laughs> I love Jamal Charles, guys. He's historically great, and I know because you guys are old curmudgeons. You think, oh, he's the newest and great. No, he's historically a great, uh, a gr- in terms of yards per carry, he's at the top. That's saying something. Can you start choking again? Um, <laughs> Uh, I love you too. Um, actually, you know what? You're choking right now. Hey. Uh. Yeah. Um, you know what? Here's what I'll do. Jackie Robinson, I definitely would put on my list. I mean, there's a reason I wore his uh throwback during throwback jersey week last week. So we'll go with Jackie Robinson, Babe Ruth, um, Tiger Woods, and Michael Jordan. So you have a mixture of 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 reasons why. But um I mean, Jackie Robinson, to me, is the most important athlete um, America's ever had. And, and I know Jesse, I know what Jesse Owens did a full decade before, um, you know, what Jackie did. But, and I want to be respectful because the Olympics are a global game. But, you know, Jackie did it with a sport and an, and an activity and it was an, a cultural epicenter of immense importance. To Americana, so I would so I would put Jackie on the list, and then I, the other three guys I would go with just the single the single most dominant um, individuals that that transcended 
their sport that that widened the view of their of their sport uh and so that's why i'd go with babe ruth tiger woods and well, michael jordan could you argue that tiger woods actually saved golf sure you could you bet you could and if you want to put jack nicholas on the list instead i'd 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 be I'd be perfectly fine with that too, but that's the, the that's the criteria I'm going to put. I'm going to put. You know what? All four of those are transcendent figures. So you could have put a Muhammad Ali on there as well. You oh, know, but you only yeah. get four. Okay. Yeah. So I'm going to go with four transcendent figures. And what's and what's odd is I just realized there aren't any football players. Um, right. uh, on there. But. Yeah, and I, I kind of screwed up as well. Walter Camp for the reason that I put him on there was not necessarily an athlete. Right. He was a great coach. Yeah. Yeah. I had figured I'd pulled your pants down enough. I didn't want to have to do it again. Well, I mean, if there's an expert on pulling people's pants down, it's you. Yeah, take that. <laughs> Thank oh, you, Eric Swellwell. What's the next yes, question? That's like, well, I got, I got to add my other okay, two. Oh, you have two more. I'm sorry. I, I'm going uh, along with Cal Ripken Jr. and Jackie Robinson. I'm going to put Pele and Usain Bolt. Wow. Going off the board there. Iconic soccer, iconic track, global sports. Have you ever heard of a Pele, Steve? I, I, yes, I, I have. Iconic soccer. I have global. not. At, at this point, Aaron, hey, I, I, I want you to talk more about Jamal even Charles. You, I want you to talk more about Jamal Charles, Aaron. You, go. you should be embarrassed that you knew who Pele was. What do you think Steve? of Lynn Dawson on the list, maybe? Hey, yeah. 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 Hank Stram. But he's a coach. Anyway. Christian all, all, Okoye. Hey, Derek Thomas, guys, he was amazing. I don't Literally I, anybody I, other than Pele. Yeah. Did we just ruin a sports question? Yeah, you guys did. Well no, done. No, you did. Yeah. <laughs> All I hear is you. You know. Um, how about Gretzky? By three. the way, how's he not on the? How's he not on there? You only get four, though, right? Yeah. Okay. All this right. was the same thing that I ran into yesterday with the uh, westerns, the top. Because uh, I, I originally that started as a top five list. I'm like, I cannot do this with top five. So yep. top ten. Question three. People were telling you online What's, that you couldn't do it with 10, by the way. You probably saw yeah, that. Yeah, I heard. There's yeah, plenty there's people, a, there's a plenty lot of, of mamas told me they would like yeah. to spank you for not having the Unforgiven on your uh, yeah. list yesterday. I've never heard of that, so uh, it doesn't exist. Uh, <laughs> what's the most compelling fake news story? Like something that you read and you believe, not something like, oh, the Republicans being conservative is fake news. No, what's the most compelling fake news story that you bought hook, line, and sinker? This happened early in my career, and I have never forgotten it. All right. And um, it's why I'm like all paranoid about the deep fakes thing that people are warning us yep. about. Okay. So early in my career, my first full time job, uh, I had my own sports talk radio show here in Des Moines. And this, and, and, you know, I was the new generation, the young guy. And so I was getting, you know, printing stuff off the internet and stuff like that for stories and things to talk about. And we were in the middle of uh, a show. And, I, I, I was emailed by one of my listeners a story that, um, and this is when uh, Steve Spurrier left Florida to go coach, I think, the Washington Redskins or something. And I had one of my listeners send me a story that Bob Stoops was going to leave Oklahoma to follow, uh, to take over. Because remember, he came to Oklahoma. He was Spurrier's defensive coordinator uh, on, on those Florida teams in the late 90s. And he got that from that. He got the job at Oklahoma. And so the Bob Stoops was leaving Oklahoma and was going to take over for Steve Spurrier at the University of Florida. And man, it, it looked like the ESPN logo, masthead at the top of, you know, uh, the, the, you know the, the screen capture page. Had, I mean, it, they nailed it. And I printed it off, went on the air with it, 
thought for sure it was a story, you know, because I'm also in Iowa. I, I knew Bob. I'd interviewed him numerous times. You know, that one of the, you know, I don't take a lot of pictures with people that are quote unquote celebrities. Um, you know, one of the few I have in my basement, in my man cave, uh, I, I, I hosted a fundraiser with uh, a bunch of Hayden Fry's old assistants several years ago. And it was Bob Stoops, Barry Alvarez, uh, uh, Kirk Ferentz and Dan McCartney. And there's a photo with, uh, with all of us in there. And I just kind of ran with it because it would also be a big story in Iowa because of Stoops family has extensive ties here to our state. And then, you know, we were into this conversation and like a half hour later, someone introduced me to a new product that had just been created at the time called Photoshop, which I had never heard of. And the whole story was not true, total fake news. And um, I never found out if this listener was fooled himself or sent this to me with the intent uh, of fooling me. Either way, though, it worked. Man, I, I, Aaron, do you have... You usually have something because of this. I don't. Oh, sure. I don't know of. So you've never been fooled before. Yeah, he's not been fooled, but I can't yeah. think of a. I mean, a, a really good one. I mean, I just don't. Four or five years ago, <clears throat> I I still get fooled by the. By the way, this is the recurring theme. I still get fooled by any story saying that uh, NCAA football is coming back. Um, usually, those are put out on like April first, and I get really excited, and then I remember. Um, there's one. Uh, this was actually an April Fool's Day uh, hoax. There was one story somebody posted, and this would have been like four or five years ago, I want to say. And it looked like a really official um, post. In fact, I think it might have been from uh, the Wyoming Department of Natural Resources announcing that they were going to capture and release 1,000 kangaroos into the Wyoming <laughs> wild. And I really wanted it to be true. And so I, I really did believe it because I think it was actually by I, – I, it looked like it was by Wyoming's DNR or uh, it, it either was. And, uh, you know, the thought of having kangaroos in North America, I mean, it just – it spoke to me. And I, I believed it for like 15 minutes and then I realized, no, you're an idiot. I do know I got faked out. Remember there was that fake NBC News for a while? It had – As opposed to the real fake NBC well, yeah, News. Yes. But they were – and I don't even know who did it, and it's. It, it, I think it's an experiment that people just. But the the headline is, it's preposterous, but it's also the kind of preposterous that you've started to get used to. And I know that I know that I once retweeted that, and I don't even remember what it was about. But. You know, I I got to remember this just happened to me like a few days ago. That when you were alone and getting so much done <laughs> i was no i was on I, I mean i saw a video on twitter that clearly had to be you know edited deep faked of a us congresswoman claiming we have concentration camps at the border oh, and i just thought man. it was just yeah. so beyond ridiculous sure. there's no way and then i saw the amount of traffic it was getting and i'm just you know yeah people are still falling for i that. know i can't believe that canard is still working i mean after all why are hundreds of thousands of people flocking to the u.s border in order to be de- detained in concentration camps anybody know the answer to that free health care <laughs> well <laughs> I, I, maybe, maybe, I don't know, uh, maybe concentration camps. Listen, if, if concentration camps are preferable to Honduras, Honduras, there's a problem. Yeah. All right. There's a problem. Here's your sign. But uh, I'm surprised, you know, even subtle things you have to be careful of. I mean, there was a story last week um, that 
uh, with with a Pride Week story about promoting pedophilia with through the uh, the Mario Brothers game. And because of most of the normal stuff we see, yeah. Yeah. it was it's totally believable. believable. And but it, it was it was a it was a parody. So yep, I mean, how many times has Snopes fact checked the Babylon Bee now? Right, uh, all of them. Because yeah. uh, you know, it, it's where we live now. We have to be careful with that kind of stuff. Now, where you live, you probably don't have a stoplight on your kitchen table or, or sitting there telling you when it's time to stop eating because that would be creepy, right? But the good thing is, there's supposed to be one in your body. It's got a long name. Its abbreviation though is OEA. And it's simply a signal that goes from the gut to the brain that says to the brain, we're done eating, kick that metabolism into gear, let's get active, move on here, thank you, we're full. Unfortunately, for too many of us, that signal just isn't as strong as it needs to be. Particularly as we get older, it can kind of, you know, lose some of its potency as well. And that's where Riduzone comes in. They just want to put that OEA right back in your body. This is not a stimulant, not loaded with caffeine and a whole bunch of chemicals. It's got three ingredients and overwhelmingly its main ingredient is just simply this OEA. It's just simply about putting that signal back to the strength it once had or it's supposed to have. If you want to give Riduzone a shot, find out maybe this is your missing link to the ongoing losing battle with your bulge you've been having for too long now. Uh, just go to the website, riduzone.com, R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E for riduzone.com and use my name, Steve, and they'll give you a, a special offer when you use my name, Steve, as a promo code at riduzone. Com. We'll come back. We're going to talk how to successfully combat social media censorship in a moment. Stay tuned. And greetings. We're back with our number two here live and on demand here on The Blaze. I'm Steve Dace. Todd and Aaron are here with me as well. Steve at SteveDace.com is how you can email the program. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. If you're listening today via the podcast, if you wouldn't mind, leaving us a five-star review on the podcast platform of your choice, we would greatly appreciate that. Now, if you don't like the show, we wouldn't ask you to lie, of course. Maybe just keep your disdain to yourself. Remember what mama said. You ain't got nothing nice to say. Don't say anything at all. Now, if you do like the show, if you wouldn't mind embellishing how much you like us, we would really appreciate that. And the more of those kinds of likes we get, uh, the more likely we are to find people just like you. And then the more likely we are to continue to keep uh, these phony baloney jobs. All right. So thank you to the thousands of you that have already left us one of those five-star reviews. If you are a frequent listener to our show, you know we are fond of dropping truth bombs on this program. And uh, our, our friends at Swiss America have a new one available for you, and it is a doozy. Now, what Swiss America does is they take a look, uh, they monitor geopolitical, socioeconomic trends, both uh, domestically uh, and globally as well, uh, because they want to help you protect your productivity, your prosperity, what you have rightly earned, because the worker is worth his hire. And they're very concerned when they see an American company like Google, maybe the most powerful company in the world right now, and who is uh, discussing with mentally ill people uh, the desire to uh, censor, quote, what they view as borderline content. And I'm guessing their definition of borderline ain't exactly like yours. And then they see uh, Google uh, conspiring, I'm sorry, uh, uh, partnering, uh, that's the word, partnering uh, with our greatest global economic competitor, China, to create a social credit system right out of a Black Mirror episode that literally was a Black Mirror episode, right? My former home state of Michigan, part of their auto insurance reform package they just passed and signed into law with their Democratic governor there. 
was uh, using your credit score, right? So again, we're, they're concerned when they see this kind of alliance between progressive corporatists and progressive government bureaucrats. That's why you want to get their new report for free. It's called The Secret War. The Secret War is what it's called. Go to the website, SwissAmerica.com. That's SwissAmerica.com. Or you can give them a call, 800-289-2646. 1-800-289-2646. So last week, many of you probably were aware that one of our peers here at Blaze TV Radio and podcast, Stephen Crowder, was on the front lines in the latest and the ongoing war over social media censorship. And did we learn any lessons about how to successfully combat this going forward? There's a bill in the Senate right now. Josh Hawley, a senator from Missouri, has filed uh, attempting to go after social media censorship. Should we like that bill or not? Bill Richmond is here with us. If you are a fan of Stephen Crowder's program, you otherwise know him as his half-Asian lawyer. Hey, Bill, and it's good to have you with us here on the show, brother. How are you? Glad to be here. So let's, let's start with lessons that you learned from last week and, and what, how we could impart those to the rest of our audience about how to successfully push back against this, Bill. So one of the most important lessons that we can learn here is that there really are no rules. Um, And whether it comes to someone who has a conservative view or a non-conservative view, uh, the goalposts are moving no matter who you are. And those goalposts are, uh, they're being decided by the social media companies, even when they are trying to be forthcoming or appear to be forthcoming by doing public tweets or, uh, you know, trying to send messages or appearing at conferences. It's really just more smoke and mirrors about what's actually happening behind the scenes on what the standards are for content that's allowed on the platforms. And really, whether or not people should be devoting their time and their energy, both as users or as the creators themselves. So in terms of lessons learned on what can be done about it, uh, there's running a full gamut right now. But we we can definitely see that uh, legislation such as what was introduced by Senator Hawley is uh, going to start making a dent. We're going to see more of this. And it's one of the most effective ways to threaten the shield that these platforms are using right now. So let's let's not bury the lead, Bill. Let's skip right to what I think is the end game here. All right, and I, I'm trying to avoid a scenario where these entities become public utilities because I think that is the end game, and I think they would be fine with it. They've all made their billions, as we just discussed. Google is fine partnering with China. Um, they've all made their billions of dollars, and now it's about the activism. Now they've all made their money, it's about the activism. And I'm trying to avoid them becoming public utilities where essentially they'll be regulated by the same people that say you can't believe in intelligent design and, and teach in any government public school classroom in the United States of America. That, I want us to avoid that. And I think if we don't come up with a, with a reasonable, limited government means and measure now, that is where this is ultimately going to end, all right? And so I think the, the limited government reasonable means here is just simply say, listen, it, it's your business. It's your intellectual property, okay? You can, make, you can choose to be whichever one of these you wish to be, but you have to declare, are you a platform? Are you a publisher? Because allowing them, we are allowing them to escape 
a certain level of regulation. No other industry in America, at least as I can tell, Bill, and you're the lawyer here, is allowed to tiptoe between the raindrops the way they are. And and they're doing so right now while they are, you know, give, given a vice grip on the flow of information at the exact same time. It's a little bit like if, if once Alexander the Graham Bell, once Alexander Graham Bell invented the telephone, it's a little bit like if like 10 years later he decided, you know what, I don't like your politics, so you're not getting a phone, you're not getting a line. You're not getting a phone number. That That's kind of the road we're going down now in, in the modern era. And so my fear is, Bill, that if we don't say to them, choose which regulatory environment you wish to you wish to participate in, the end game of this is they'll get in business with progressive, uh, they'll get in bed with the progressives in government and just screw everybody once they're a public utility. Am I crazy, number one? I'd say, if anything, uh, further in bed. But the... the where we're at right now is you're, when you said dancing through the raindrops, I think that's it's especially applicable to a company like Facebook. They're currently in litigation that's winding its way through California state court in which they have said during the arguments, hey, we're a publisher. We're allowed to moderate and edit the content that we have. However, that runs exactly against the, the statements that they've made publicly that they are just a platform. They, they are a public utility. That's what they have continually said to obviate any kind of liability that they would have from the content that's flowing on the site. But by choosing one and then kind of doing the other, every single time that they do this and they exercise more and more editorial control, their actions speak even when their words don't, that they are acting as publishers. And when they act as publishers, they have to be responsible for, the, the one, not only the, uh, the, the rights that come with that, but the mm-hmm. obligations that come with it and the additional liability. I'm no fan of Alex Jones, but I don't understand why he's not suing their asses off right now, Bill, for a company as large and as powerful as Facebook to publicly label him as dangerous. Why I am surprised there hasn't been anybody going after them on this notion that they get to just make. I mean, if I owned a restaurant and I had a bulletin board out front and I wrote on there, Bill Richmond is dangerous. I mean, that, that I can't do things like that, even with a platform of a, of a bulletin board outside my restaurant. Are you surprised that there hasn't been people that these social media companies have labeled as racist, divisive, uh, you know, et cetera. I mean, I, I mean, you're, you're besmirching, you're using your platform to besmirch my reputation. Any other business would have, would face a liability question for that bill. It would. And, and what's interesting is I'd say that the most recent, what's happened in the last couple of weeks when YouTube implemented its new policy and it decided that it was going to start removing thousands of creators and hundreds of thousands of video hours on its platform based on a new, still ambiguous, still vague policy. It broadened the horizon of people who are being affected to a point where I would be shocked if we don't see lawsuits that come out, um, whether it's from Alex Jones or others who were who are simply saying, again, you've moved the goalposts. We don't know what's happening. Now you've changed it again, but you've enticed us to continue to do business. You've enticed us to sell ads, to send you money, mm-hmm. to bring you users based on what the rules are supposed to be. And yet they change over and over and over again. It's either a classic case of one could call it fraud or deceptive trade practices when businesses offer something as A, and it turns out that it's B. I've heard the argument, even from many conservatives, well, these are free services. I don't believe they're free at all. I mean, I mean, if you work in the, in, the modern, in the modern digital economy we live in, data is dollars. 
I mean, the idea, if, if, if you said to Facebook, would you rather have my data or 10 bucks a month or 50 bucks a month or 100 bucks a month, what do you think their answer would be, Bill? Data all yeah. day long. It, it's, it's the gift that keeps on giving. It's something they can sell, they can monetize, they can chop it up, they can run it across all kinds of different platforms and in all different kinds of ways. They can create a picture of you, the consumer, and decide how they're going to best sell to you, and not just you, but every other company that they sell it to. So data is the, it is the engine that drove Google to its current valuation. It's the engine that's driving Amazon on top of the retail work that it does as well. Um, it's also the engine that's driving so many um, of the changes that are happening on Facebook and its own valuation and its ability to sell to advertisers. These advertisers are coming to the platforms they're doing it based on the information and the data that's been gathered that says we can target these specific people because we know exactly who they are. So the most valuable part here isn't a subscription. And certainly Facebook is free nominally in terms of dollars out of the pocket, but it is not free in terms of what you actually have to give up to the platform to allow them to operate. One of the things I used to wonder, uh, you know, when I was becoming politically aware uh, as a teenager into college, seeing, you know, what we used to just call old-fashioned liberal media bias back in those days. And I used to wonder, you know, why not just be honest? You know, why not just simply say, hey, you know, I'm, uh, you know, I want the Democrat to win. And, you know, let me filter your comments through that prism. And then I realized, you know, what, if, if all of these media entities told the truth about the angle they're coming from, they would they would open the door for the very market forces to then step in and say, uh, you know, see a need, fill a need, like they said in the movie Robots. All right. I mean, if, well, hey, if we're just going to be openly for the left, then we're going to have to have an, a, an alternative to be openly for the right. And so, you know, for many, many years, they held on to this notion. CNN is still claiming it's just, you know, calling bananas what they are while planting bananas in tailpipes. Um, if, if they ever give up the ghost on that, then they would open the door for, say, something like a fox or a blaze to come in and 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 say, well, you know what? We're going to now do the Paul Harvey other side of the story thing. Here's how I think this ties into what's going on with the social media companies. The longer they can put off having to declare, are they platforms or publishers? Then the longer they can withstand market forces because once they make a choice and, and once they, particularly, we all know the choice would have to be publisher because that's really what they want to be. Once they do that, then, then the emperor has no clothes, all the camouflage is off, and the market will say, okay, I mean, you want to have your platform be uh, one that uh, you know, uh, perpetuates and favors a progressive viewpoint. I guess that means we're going to have to have the Fox News Blaze you know, version to compete with that. And I think that's why they want, they've been holding off this declaration for so long. What are your thoughts? I agree. I actually think that there's it's it's less of a just complete one-sided uh, unified position within the social media companies because they are market-driven entities. I mean, they are publicly traded. They have shareholders that share uh, views across the spectrum. I dare say even uh, most probably, and this is a complete guess, most of the shareholders who are owning large chunks of these companies are conservative leaning, at least on the fiscal side. And so for them to say, wait a minute, we're going to come out and choose one be open about the fact that we're choosing one viewpoint over the other is going to hurt them detrimentally because then at that point it becomes why not sign up for the blaze why not join crowder's mug club why not join these other platforms who have said we're going to be open or at least give the views that are not willing to be said on those original platforms like facebook and youtube and so once they once they come out and they let that 
view within their companies override. Once they kind of go full publisher, they're they're going to have a, a financial detriment that's going to impact them in the pocketbook uh, more so than any of the complaints that you're hearing right now about, oh, you're letting people on uh, that have viewpoints that we just simply can't have. You just said something I think is really key, because when this whole debate first began, my initial knee-jerk reaction as a conservative is the last thing we want to do is get, is get government involved. On the other hand, you know, I'm, I'm not an anarchist. I believe in limited government, not no government, right? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and, and government certainly has a role. I'm still paying taxes. And, what I, 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 and so I started looking at this issue from multiple angles. And, and when you talk about them being publicly traded companies, so here we have publicly traded companies that have a virtual vice grip on the flow of information. How much of what we see in, in, in traditional platform media is driven by what is trending in social media, for example? So they have a, a, a vice grip to the point of near almost a monopoly on the flow of information, which is, to me, the most valuable commodity in any free society is the flow of information. They have a near vice grip on that. They have all of our data. They're publicly traded, so they're earning billions off of the shares of worth and value in our in our in their companies and yet we're allowing them to operate outside of any traditional regulatory environment that any other industry is beholden to that to me that's not conservative that's dangerous bill what are your thoughts it, it really is at, at a certain level whether you're a person who believes in in small government as a general concept there is a level of regulation that, that is involved, and I'm cer certainly some of our uh, libertarian friends may disagree with that, but the, the natural function of our society does involve some level of regulation, whether at the state or federal level. And here you have these companies that are being governed under law that is years or decades old in terms of what they're allowed to do and how they're allowed to do it. I mean, I don't think anyone contemplated when some of the statutes were coming out that are currently in play, uh, how big these companies would get the level of data they would have, much less that they would start openly editing their content for certain viewpoints without any consequence on how they were doing it. Um, so as these laws have changed and as the companies have evolved, the law does need to update itself on how they're being how they're being handled. If anything, just again, that very first example of whether or not companies like Facebook and YouTube are publishers or whether or not they're the public square and they're going to allow these things to be uh, said unfiltered, except, of course, following the existing framework of laws that we already have. Viewpoint neutral laws such as defamation, fraud, bribery, incitement to violence, those types of things. Uh, th those are all laws that we already have in place. And really it's either follow the laws that we already have or be honest that you want a new set of laws so people can choose to go to your business knowing full well what they're getting or what they're not. Final thing for let you go, Bill. I, 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 I you know, put this to you right before we went on the air, so I haven't had a chance to look at it in depth. But uh, And I haven't had a chance to read it at all yet. What is your initial knee-jerk reaction to Senator Howley's bill? And then the lessons you've learned representing uh, Stephen against this in, in, the, in, in recent months, and especially last week, a couple of quick pointers of do's and don'ts that you may have for, uh, for, for anybody that's listing the audience that runs into their crosshairs in the future. Absolutely. So on Senator Hawley's bill, uh, it's, it's an interesting stab in the direction of really putting these companies to the test of are you going to be a publisher or are you not? And, and what it does is it kind of cover it pulls the 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 curtain back and says, we know, we know your publishers. So you're going to have to prove that you're not. And 
by having that kind of two-year period where, where the government's going to decide whether their algorithms are, are viewpoint neutral or not, I think that honors the way that we have uh, the, the set of laws that we have right now under Supreme Court precedent for the First Amendment. I'm a little concerned about the maybe the actual details of how it's going to be done, um, having a group that has to sift through all of this and how it's going to be tested. Uh, but, the, but the overall goal and the purpose strikes me as something that's going to really, really, really scare uh, big tech and, and them being able to hide behind the ball. One interesting thing on it is the Internet Association has come out and said their biggest concern about this uh, new legislation and eradicating Section 230, the Communications Decency Act, is that then these companies are going to be hamstrung about uh, regulating content about human trafficking or other uh, incitements to violence. But again, the whole point of this is that they would still have the ability to do that because those types of communications are already banned. Yeah, they're already standard. illegal. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So, so you're not going to you're not. That, that's a red herring argument. You bet it is. about saying that they should yep. be able to do this. On the second question, here's what I would say: is be vocal. We saw with the whole Vox apocalypse situation that the that YouTube is listening. They're out there on YouTube listening to people when they complain when they compliment and otherwise. So there were some pretty quick responses to the left when their complaints came out and some very quick action taken. Uh, even uh, Susan Wojcicki, the CEO of YouTube and their head of communications, Chris Dale, both said they conducted an investigation of thousands of hours of video over a single weekend and found that there were no violations. So the more that the voices are heard on all of these platforms saying the people are speaking, the, the, the shareholders are speaking, be content neutral, that's gonna have the biggest effect. And if you find yourself in the crosshairs, get with a good MCN, look at your content, continue to be aware of what the, again, stated vague rules are, and uh, try to keep your nose clean as much as you can so we find an alternative. Bill Richmond, uh, really uh, smart conversation, man, and you carried the load. So thank you very much for joining us today. Pleasure to have you with us. Take care, all right? Thank you. Get Todd and Aaron's comments on that conversation here in a moment. But if you are going all the way in on the real estate market, uh, make sure you find a real estate agent you can trust. Glenn Beck and some of his buddies learned the hard way. They aren't always easy to find. Uh, they kept uh, running into agents who talked a good game, but then didn't deliver the results and uh, needed and promised when needed the most. So they started their own company to find agents that were worthy of having people like you and me as clients. Agents that have a successful track record navigating the real estate market. Agents who know how to read and study the data, the algorithms, uh, but to also know that uh, there's always outliers in every market and you got to make sure you're aware of whether or not those outliers pertain to your particular market situation or not. And then people that just are personable, you can build a rapport with. It's a very relational process working with an agent to buy, sell, or buy and sell a home. All right. And if the rapport is not there, uh, the odds that this will be successful go down, right? So if you want an agent that checks all three of those boxes, you're looking for a real estate agent that you can trust. And they're just one click away. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com. Again, that's realestateagentsitrust.com. All right, gentlemen, your thoughts on the conversation we just had with Bill Richmond, uh, Stephen Crowder's half-Asian lawyer. Well, unfortunately, he didn't dispel any of the more dystopian conclusions that we've drawn over the last uh, no, few he, weeks No, he said so. we were all right. Yeah, yeah. basically. Um, and, and so I, I want to begin at the end of that conversation. If we do actually start going down the road where the government forces these companies to decide whether they're platforms or publishers, what he mentioned kind of in passing, as I've thought through about I've thought through this a couple times in the last few weeks, what he mentioned in passing is going to be a major narrative of the opposition to this type of legislation. The um, uh, th it's basically going to be the Wild West, you know, we're human trafficking and kiddie porn and all this is just going to be flowing freely through fate. No, 
No, that is absolutely a red herring. But that is going, you watch it, and I would like to make this prediction now, that is going to be the first and probably the biggest um, narrative that the opposition is going to push, essentially saying um, these big tech companies are going to be turned into the Wild West where there's just complete lawlessness. Uh, no, that is not absolutely that is not correct whatsoever. Because we, what you said, we already have laws on the books and prosecuting uh, those laws actually uh, as we speak. Uh, you know when people are actually caught doing nefarious things. Um, the the other part of this as well, I, you know, it's not the Wild West. Right now, these big companies act as if they are King George. I mean, it's yep. just a decree one day, a decree the next day, just crazy, uh, crazy bat crap, crazy people making and changing their minds about rules every single day. We're actually trying to bring some order or some uh, some notion of order to this, not just this uh, monarchical system where these tech giants just dis- get to uh, really, and I don't want to be melodramatic here, but they really are screwing around with the livelihoods of a lot of people who in this new economy of YouTube who have made it big enough to where they can actually start to support themselves using the ads that they sell on their YouTube channels. They're screwing around with their livelihoods on a day-to-day basis by uh, you know changing the rules one day. Okay, you're within the rules this day. You're without the rules that day. You get to make money today, not tomorrow. So they're hurting those people. And then for us as well, if they're hurting those people, they, they're going to have no problem. You know, say you want to uh, have a, a source of news that's not Vox someday in 10 years, you know, when we're in court trying to sue for our right to go to the church of our su- of our choosing. Say you want to read a news story updating you on that court case, but you can't, but you want to go somewhere other than Vox. You know what? If we don't force these companies to make this decision soon, they will force, they will force you. They're you will upon us. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not, again, not trying to be melodramatic. I am exaggerating, uh, you know, with Vox, but pick your left-wing news source. Yeah, this is there where it is starts. Not, this is where it starts, and yep. that's where it's going to end up. I mean, I, I'm just telling you, you're, it's not a conservative argument to say they get to be publicly traded companies, so they get to take advantage of the profit potential of our regulatory environment by offering the public the uh, the opportunity to sell their shares that only increase in value and price. They get to greatly profit off of that regulatory environment that you as a taxpayer have provided. And then at the same time, they, are, they, they get to operate outside of the re- that regulatory environment when it comes to what information you get to see. That is not conservative. And if you think that's libertarianism, then I don't know why I ever supported any libertarian cause like ever. That, that, that is exactly, that's a star chamber is what that is. That is that is that form of elitism leads to tyranny in every culture it's ever been practiced. So you give them all of your data, you then supply the the regulatory system of publicly traded corporations that allows them to make billions upon what they're already selling your data for. But then they get to decide without any regulatory oversight from you and your representatives in government at all. They get to decide what you get to see and don't. I'm sorry. I, I had the same knee-jerk reaction until I started looking at this from nine different angles and realized, yeah, that's actually, um, that's tyranny is what that is. Now, I'm a limited government guy too, but if we're at the point then that we can't, that, that you don't want government to defend, I mean, we're all out here. You know what's funny? A lot of the same conservatives who want to just let these companies get away get away with literal murder. As O.J. Simpson appears on Twitter, but Laura Loomer cannot. 
are applauding the Supreme Court today for saying, yes, we can keep a cross in Maryland. Explain that to me. Explain to me how it's limited government. That you need the, the, the permission of nine people to practice your constitutional right of free religious expression. But it is not conservative to say to corporations, you can have all of our data, sell it however you wish, use our regulatory environment to sell shares in your companies and make billions, and then, and then turn around and decide what I get to see and read or, or what I get to post. That's, I don't understand. That's not any, that's, you know, let me tell you what it is. Stupid. It's stupid is what it is. Well, I don't want the government, you know what then? Don't call the damn fire department when your house is on fire then. I don't want the government, okay, don't call the cops when there's a home invasion then. Don't vote. Who counts the votes? Who sets up the voting machines? Don't bother voting either. You don't want the government involved. Welcome to Unabomber. We're not anarchists. This is a this is a, this is this is this is a bad business plan for freedom, folks. Is what it is. It's a bad business plan for freedom. Well, I don't want Washington to do anything more. Well, they're gonna they're they're going to do it. I'm, are you taking up arms? Armed revolt it is then. Okay. So if you're not taking up arms. I don't know of any other way to get Washington to do what you wanted to do other than, stay with me now, getting Washington to do what you wanted to do. Because here's what we've learned. If we don't get Washington to do what we wanted to do, it'll just do whatever the hell it wants. Can I get a witness on that? So I get the knee-jerk reaction. I had it too until I took a deep breath and started looking at this from nine different angles. And I don't like Alex Jones. He's a lying fraud, con man, fiend. I never met Gavin McInnes. And all I know about Laura Loomer is, um, you know, scaling uh, politicians' gated communities in a single bound and taping herself to buildings. I don't know anything about these people. The names are irrelevant. It's about the principle here. And the principle is you're giving them all the power and none of the accountability or oversight. That's not freedom. That's it. You're inviting tyranny is what you're doing. You're ignorant of history if you don't see that. Also, hopefully you saw a recent episode of 60 Minutes where they had the former head of FBI's cyber crimes unit on warning about home title fraud sweeping the country because thieves are finding our homes, titles, and mortgages online and databases where they can be hacked. They then borrow against the equity in our home to liquidate that for themselves, sticking us with the payments, the foreclosure notices, maybe even the eviction notices. You don't want this to happen to you. And for pennies a day, our friends at Home Title Lock will make sure that it does not. They can protect you when your identity theft protection plan or your mortgage lender cannot or will not. If you want to learn more, go to the website, hometitlelock.com, or you can also register for a free title scan and report. Find out if your home's title has already been targeted. It's already been tinkered with. This is the most valuable investment most Americans will ever have, their own home. And that's why it's vulnerable, but that's also why you need to protect it. To learn more, to get the free title scan and report, go to the website, hometitlelock.com. That's hometitlelock.com. We'll come back Theology Thursday. 
We continue our series on the five dumb things otherwise smart people believe about faith, religion, spirituality, Christianity is next. Stay tuned. So if, if you're one of those millions of Americans that just decided, I, I have to live with this chronic pain, I, I get it. I've been where you're at. You know, uh, Before I started losing all the weight several years ago, um, I severely damaged uh, my sciatica and it led to all kinds of hip flexor problems and everything else. I'd throw my back out frequently. And then even after I started getting healthier and working out again and, and getting stronger and in better shape, uh, I'd still have uh, hip flexor issues from that original injury and I'd stretch it out. It'd be sore. I, I get it. It was just chronic pain. And then I tried relief factor. So I want to make this clear. All right. I still have an injury. I'm going to probably need, uh, you know, hip replacement surgery when I get older. But the amount of flexibility, the amount of soreness from the chronic pain, all the inflammation that surrounded that injury, the, the change I've seen is absolutely amazing. My recovery time is better. Uh, I've, I've been able to take my workouts to another level um, because I just, I, there's more flexibility. I've, I've, I'm less fearful of, you know, a secondary aggravation of that injury from all the inflammation there. Uh, Todd and Aaron will tell you, they haven't heard me complaining about soreness after workouts in weeks, you know, and I'm doing a, a whole superset style of workout differently than, um, you know, what I was even doing before. So I'm the latest success story, uh, relief factor success story here at The Blaze, which is why I would encourage you. That's how I started too, the trial pack, all right? For you, it's a dollar a day to give it a shot. Three weeks, 20 bucks, a buck a day. All natural, drug-free. This, this is about putting the things in the body, natural things that unleash its God-given healing potential. All right, if you want to learn more or you want to try the trial pack, just go to relieffactor.com. That's relieffactor.com. Todd, we ran short on time there. I didn't give you a chance to have your take on the conversation we had there with Bill Richmond about social media censorship. Do you have anything you wanted to add? Uh, I just wanted to echo both of you because it's uh, so important uh, in the matter of what's going on with this Holly Bill. You know, what, what you, I haven't even had time to get in all the particulars, but already the dystopian vapors that the likes of Justin Amash are having about this— I, it, you remember that video we showed where that college uh, co-ed stole the pro-life sign and ultimately a cop treated her very nicely but just hunted mm-hmm. her down and said, you stole something. We're gonna, and she's like, I just can't believe it. I just can't believe it. It's simple. You're stealing. You, you can't do that. That's the level of government intervention we're basically talking about with it. That's the dystopia. You can't, you can't, in the point about how this is ruining people's lives, because the real dystopia is the government that just watches the stealing of people's credibility that goes on and not having an uh, even playing field and just winking and nodding because that government is full of the kind of people who want all of us to be marginalized. That's the dystopia. And really, I can get behind Justin Amash, Amash being frustrated with Donald Trump for any number of reasons, but he's being a hysterical fool right now on social media, as are Others, if we want to get into the particulars of the bill, we can and we will, and that's fine. It might not be a good bill. I don't know. I've not had a chance to read it. It might not do what But at least we're having this conversation. Yeah. You know what? At least we're starting somewhere. We're having a good conversation. But this is the issue, and I've I've, 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 I've talked about this many times. I have a lot of respect for Justin. 
I've disagreed with him though frequently, and it's because he. This is the aspirational view of libertarianism. The idea that if we abide by these libertarian principles, we'll be better is wrong. No, we, we can't abide by your libertarian principles until we are better. I mean, that's why it's a republic if you can keep it. That's why this is a constitutional limit for a moral and religious people. We are, un, we are incapable of, of the sort of, of microscopic view of government east of Eden. We can't do it. Yeah, it's the William Penn line. If men were angels, we wouldn't need a government. So uh, we have to have a limited government. Well, Steve, what's limited government mean? Limited to the things that protect my God-given rights. That's what it means. Okay? That's what it means. I mean, even, I didn't even get into this with Bill. Facebook, or you, Facebook is now saying, for example, after Gavin McInnes got uh, a band, when he still worked here, he was still hosting shows on, on, on CRTV before we had the CRTV Blaze merger. And CRTV was sharing his videos after he was banned on social media. Well, now they're saying, now they want to get in the middle of your freedom of association. Now they want to say, if you associate with anybody we have, we have deemed as dangerous, then you too will be banned. And I want to go to the video you just you talked about. We're not going to understand, if we don't step in, you're never going to see those videos. Where, where, where did you see all those videos? Right. Social media. You're never going to see any of them. Oh, they're by the all way, going by the to way. Be, they're all going to be banned like Western journalism was banned by Apple News for by the, disseminating yeah. information that's not scientific. By, by the way, how would we ever find or find out about an alternative? Exactly. That's exactly right. So allowing corporatist monopolies isn't liberty. It's tyranny. And if you think that's liberty, then I, I mean, I just don't know what to tell you then. I mean, we're not on the same team, I guess. I don't I don't know what to tell you. I. I mean, I, I, I could, I, and this is going to sound weird coming from me. I could almost excuse partnering with someone who had a different stance on the abortion issue than me more than this. Because if you, if you, if you and I can't see eye to eye on this, then you're going to permit an environment where I'm not going to be allowed to share my position on the abortion issue or any other thing for that matter. This is fundamental like oxygen. I mean, if you can't see that, then either you're just too orange man bad or, you know, you're willing to just let them do. If we don't use government in a limited means, they will use government by all of its means. Yes. That is the lesson. If we haven't learned this yet, then I can't help you. There's nothing I can do, you know. Then we can't keep the republic. Then you can't. You're right. You know, write write the obit. It's not a matter of keeping it. We've lost it already. If we're even having this conversation. Theology Thursday this week brought to you by Riduzone. Who knows it would be weird if you kept a stoplight telling you when to stop eating right there at your kitchen table. Good thing is nature and your creator put one in your body. It's called OEA. Here's the bad thing, though. For too many of us, that signal's a little too faint. And for many more, it, it grows fainter the older we get. And what this signal does, it goes from the gut to the brain saying, hey, kick in that metabolism. We're done eating here. We're good. We're done. Let's move on. And... When you don't get that signal, you have a tendency to overeat all the more, right? Because you keep eating because you're feeling like, you know, I'm not full. Yeah, I need to eat more, right? So here's what uh, Riduzone wants to do. Real simple. They just want to put the OEA back in your body. That's, that's all that it is. Not loaded with chemicals. It's not uh, loaded with caffeine or any kind of stimulant. It's just about putting the OEA back in the gut where it belongs. If you want to learn more or give it a shot, if you use my name, Steve, when you go to the website, riduzone.com, they'll give you a special offer. 
Here's the website, R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E for RidUZone.com. All right, Theology Thursday, this is week four. We've been doing this series that started at my home church here, uh, Valley Church in West Des Moines. And our pastor, Quentin, started this uh, a few weeks ago. And it's five dumb things otherwise smart people believe about religion, faith, spirituality, and especially Christianity. And this week, we're going to talk about whether or not we should let our conscience be our guide. Fourth dumb thing that smart people believe, let your conscience be your guide. This is, is, of course, is from a very venerable source, uh, Jiminy Cricket, in the movie Pinocchio. We've got that, right? Always let your conscience be your guide, which is not altogether false. I mean, that's a good, somewhat good, but, but you can't believe everything you read. It's just like what Abraham Lincoln once said. Let's look at that one. The problem with quotes found on the internet is that they're often not true. Abraham Lincoln. Okay. Um, so this, let your conscience be your guide, also comes off as follow your heart, go with your gut, and that's fine advice for filling out your NCAA brackets. Great, go for that. But in making important moral and ethical decisions and things about what you believe, you can't follow your heart. You can't do it. Uh, it's not fully reliable. Your conscience isn't fully reliable. Now, conscience is a good thing. First Timothy says it this way. Now, the goal of our instruction is love that comes from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. All right, we got that scripture? Uh, and then Acts 24, verse 16, Paul says, I always strive to have a clear conscience toward God and men. So conscience is a good thing. But he says it's not an infallible guide. 1 Corinthians 4 says, my conscience is clear, but that does not make me innocent. Wait a minute. Did you read that? My conscience is clear, but that doesn't make me innocent. It is the Lord who judges me. In other words, just because my conscience feels good about this doesn't mean it's right. Therefore, judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait until the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness, and he will expose the motives of the heart. At that time, each will receive their praise from God. So what I'm saying about conscience or following your heart or whatever, in general, here's my counsel to you from Scripture. It's that conscience is a good yellow light and it is a good red light. It is a terrible green light. If something seems to be violating your conscience, you don't just blow through the, 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 light, the light. You slow down or you stop. It's like this might be wrong. Don't listen to that, okay? Slow down or stop. But just because you think it's okay isn't a green light to just do whatever you feel good about or your heart's telling you or your gut's saying for you. Why? Why not trust that? Jeremiah says why. The heart is more deceitful than anything else and incurable who can understand it. Other than that, the heart is great to trust, right? Just fan-fantastic. Okay, so write this down. Write this down. We are masters of self-deception. <clears throat> we are masters of self-deception. So we need to be careful. Now, here's what I'm going to say another thing about conscience real quick. Some people have overly sensitive consciences. They feel bad about everything. And they need the word of God to encourage them and comfort them and encourage them. No, you're okay. God's forgiven you, Right? They feel guilty about everything. They've got an oversensitive conscience. On the other hand, there's people who have an 
under sensitive conscience. They don't feel bad about anything. They should, but they don't. They used to, a long time ago, they used to feel bad about lying and cheating and watching porn and stealing from people and uh, being greedy and so forth. But now they don't feel bad about that. Why? Because they've been doing it so long that their consciences are seared and calloused. No longer do they feel anything. So develop your conscience. (coughs) How do you do that? Proverbs 3, 5 to 6 Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own understanding. In all your ways know him and he will make your paths straight. That's the verse. Trust in him. That means saturate your life with scripture. Because as you saturate your life with the word of God, what's going to happen is your conscience, your heart, your gut are going to be more calibrated to the word of God instead of whatever culture or people or whatever your gut is telling you. So Aaron, Aaron had in his montage at the top of the show, this family that is pimping out their nine-year-old as a drag queen, who's now claiming that he's homosexual and everything else. They let their conscience be their guide. Mm-hmm. And... I think the the smartest thing that was said there is looking at your conscience like a traffic light. That it, it tends to be pretty reliable on what not to do or what to think twice about doing as in a yellow light or what not to do as in a red light. But when it comes to that green light, yeah, it's 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 record isn't uh it isn't nearly as 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 spot on. And I think that's that's the key. What is, when we've talked on our show about leaving lots of room and for grace when it comes to matters of conscience, what we're talking about, just to clarify, if I didn't think we had to, but just in case we do, what we're talking about is to clarify on things where God has not been abundantly and adamantly clear upon. Okay? Where to go for lunch. Yes. The speed limit. Yeah. Or even in certain aspects of voting, when when yep. the choices and when you are when when your culture is so far gone, if you come to the conclusion that I'm just going to vote for self defense at this point, or I both sides are so bad I can't, there's adamant evidence for both of those positions. We're not going to take one and club you over the head if you don't if you don't line up with where we're at at that particular time. That's what we mean on matters of conscience, not on. Well, let me be Madonna and go meet with the Pope and convince him that the church has been wrong since the di- since didactic teaching in the first century after Christ that abortion was bad. That's not what we mean, <laughs> all right? We're not talking about evolving standards. We're talking about how to navigate your how to navigate the the transcendent standard when culture has evolved. It's the other way around, okay? And so that's what we mean on our show when we talk about leaving a lot of room for conscience. What do we do? You know, it's. It, I'll quote another proverb: "How can the righteous prevail when the foundations be destroyed?" Right. That's when we talk about leaving room for conscience. We're talking about that realistic, or or, the, or you know that scenario. That you know, how, try trying to navigate prevailing when the foundations are destroyed. That's what we mean, Todd, about leaving room for conscience, not changing the foundations themselves. And uh, from a, a Catholic perspective, the Catechism of the Catholic Church uh, was put in motion uh, by Pope John Paul uh, II. It's it's basically a collected wisdom 
uh, of the uh, all of the the doctors, the thinkers, the theologians uh, 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 of uh, two thousand years of Catholic history. Now, before that came about there here in the 20th century uh there was the baltimore catechism there's other catechisms so this has been going on two time the, the applying conscience uh to the the teachings of the church to, to the church and to scriptures but here's the thing the very first chapter of that catechism is about this very matter because the church has recognized way before the 21st century that the notion of my truth it saw that coming a mile away. We've loved that forever. And it breaks it down and it talks about this thing called conscience. It's not just a con it's not just that because Steve couldn't make the the point better about the 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 tranny uh drag family. They're acting on their conscience too. The term used in the catechism is this is all about a rightly formed conscience. Mm-hmm. You've heard the notion of we all have a god-shaped hole in our heart. But we can fill that with any number of uh, fake gods we want to, if we choose. The the same uh, applies here uh, towards uh, conscience, and I think his uh, red light, green light thing is a very, very helpful uh, device to help you understand the pitfalls. Uh, We all, and more so than ever, and this is part of my gated community effect, we've just got so much these days, and we just want, we want, we want, we desire, we desire, desire, and we can fulfill those desires more easily uh, and quickly than ever before. Uh, We need that stop sign on this thing we call conscience. Uh, We just don't often want it. Yeah, and putting a a finer point on what I said, you know, interjected a few minutes ago, uh, you know, Follow your conscience, uh, you know, when uh, when it comes to matters of uh, whether to go to Chick-fil-A or McDonald's for lunch. I mean, those things are um, a morally neutral um, concepts. So there really shouldn't be – it's just a choice that you can make. There is, there's no right or, or wrong answer in those specific. Now, if you go to McDonald's and get the double – uh, quarter pounder, you know, five times a day, and you're already overweight. Um, you, you, you probably, you probably, your your conscience probably should be pricked a little bit. Now your conscience sucks. <laughs> yeah, your conscience does suck. But in matters where there, as Steve said, I want to underscore that. And and the pastor of your church uh, said this in passing as well. And I think it needs to be repeated. In matters of morality or ethics, God has shown us through His Word what is right. He has shown you, or O mortal man. <laughs> what is right. Um, that is where we have to, I, we have to rely on God's word. And I can't remember, forgive me, not sure if it was in this clip or a previous clip uh, where your pastor talks about, don't expect the pagans, essentially, to act like Christians as well. Mm-hmm. That's why they follow their conscience and their conscience leads up to nine-year-old drag queens. That's, that's the reason why. If we have the Holy Spirit in our lives... Our conscience should be pricked uh, in matters of moral or ethical decision-making when we are going the wrong direction. And it should be a yellow light going along, working out our faith with fear and trembling uh, when, it, you know, when we are doing the right thing. You know, the yellow light should be pricked when it's a red, should be, uh, you know, tra- working out our, fa- or, again, working out our faith with fear and trembling when it's a yellow the God, is, we don't even need to go to the drag. That's too easy. The drag group, the the, the um, God is still speaking. Yeah. Church down the road, they're yeah, acting on their conscience. Don't put a period. We're gonna yeah. put a comma. Yeah, that's right. tough. I think it's also important the idea of too sensitive of consciences too. Sure. Okay. You know, I, I'll get people. You know, um, uh, you know, that's a topic for another day. Actually, go blue, John three seventeen. 
This is Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network. Mm-hmm.